whether you're from Cornwall, Canada, all of us here at home, here's what we have in common. There is nothing usual about the season that we are living into or that we are living in or walking into. I heard that in the summer from Pastor Craig Rochelle, and I absolutely agree. Last week, in the province of Saskatchewan, our hearts as Canadians were once again torn, in particular in James Smith Cree Nation, seeing the sudden loss and unnecessary loss of lives, of friends and families torn apart through senseless acts of violence. And then as a pretty much a whole world, but in particular within the UK and the Commonwealth, of course, this week was the passing of the monarch of Queen Elizabeth that is not only the passing of a woman, it's the passing of an era in a way in which one lived. And there's plenty of coverage and there are plenty of quotes, but the one that touched my heart the most profound in honoring and remembering her life was when she said these words, that as a queen one day, I cannot wait to cast my crown at the feet of a true king. Faith can be lived out quite differently, traditional or very charismatic. This is not relevant, but following Christ is essential. And today I want to talk with you. We've come through a global pandemic and you've been talked at, we have been spoken at for quite a while, and it's time to shift the narrative to talking with one another. But I'm going to do so perhaps with a little bit of intensity because of the season that we're in. And there's a profound story that Jesus shared that actually was the sum total. It's just two questions in length, but it's not the length of what He shared. It is what He shares and what it surfaces in us. In Luke chapter 6, verse 39, we see these, this short story and these two questions, and He asked this, can a blind man lead a blind man, or will they both not fall into a pit? Can a blind man lead a blind man, or will they both not fall into a pit? Now again, it is Two very short questions, but notice it includes vision, direction, and destiny. These things affect all of our lives, all of our, if it's applicable, all of our marriages, all of our families, all of our businesses, wherever it is that you work or the church that you belong to. This affects each and every one of us, vision, direction, and destiny. Now, Jesus was not being, of course, insensitive He was not asking insensitive questions of those whose vision was impaired. How he cared for those who were in need of healing was ever and only with compassion and kindness. And so he is not using the infirmity of another for just a hyperbolic or insensitive way. No, what Jesus was actually asking is something profound that all of us need to think about today. Again, these questions are not exclusively for those who are unable to see. In fact, what Jesus was saying is there are many people today who can see fine 2020, but in factual fact, according to the God of heaven, they are blind and they have no idea that they are blind. It is one thing to know where you are infirm. It is another thing not to know what ails you and begin to lead others because notice the multiplying effect. If we are led by those who do not know where they are going, not only do they end up in a ditch or a pit or a destination that they don't desire, but they bring you with them. This is what Jesus was speaking about and it's just as relevant today. And so Jesus' warning for my life and for your life and for the church in Canada is along the way and in particular seasons of crisis and conflict, 
Other guides will arise to take hold of your hands. And those guides are going to be incredibly tempting to grab hold of. Put language to it. You may be tempted to grab hold of the hand of unforgiveness, of criticism, of cynicism, of destruction, of jealousy, of gossip, of lust, of addiction, always promising a destination that they will never and you will never arrive at. Each and every one of us, this is not this theoretical thing, it is each and every one of us have guides that come along that promise this is the way. But from God's perspective, they are blind guides that do not know that they are, in fact, blind. History is filled with examples precisely like this. Today, when I woke up, perhaps like you, it's looked at the the calendar and it said September 11th. And I remember this date in 2001, like it was yesterday. For some of you are like, I'm not born. I wasn't born yet. Well, good for you. (laughs) But if you were alive, you remember this date. And even if you weren't born, how you go to an airport now, I want you to know, is entirely different. The world changed in a day. Whether we like it or not, it did. But history is filled with plenty of examples of exactly what Jesus was talking about. One occurred on January chapter, or January chapter, January 28th, 1986. In the span of 73 seconds, the world changed for seven individuals, along with their family and friends. For Michael, Francis, Richard, Ronald, Ellison, Krista, And Gregory and Judith, what was supposed to be the dream of a lifetime, the adventure of a lifetime, the accomplishment of a lifetime, took the lives and took their lives far too soon. And here's what is critical when we talk about an example in history such as the Space Shuttle Challenger. If you were born in 1986, you may remember the day you heard this news. The issues that affected the shuttle mid-launch were present before launch. I'm going to say it again. The issues that affected the shuttle in launch were present before launch. Only they became catastrophic when the Space Shuttle Challenger attempted to go full throttle. There is something about weight that we cannot see until weight is applied that becomes evident. Some of you have, and us, and churches, and all of us, we have existing issues that the Lord wishes to heal that may not be a big deal right now. But the moment you step into your purpose, that which is unhealed will be revealed. It'll show up, and it'll show up in the most unkind time. The enemy is never gracious towards you, not a single minute, second, or moment, or hour of your life. Loved one, it is one thing to launch a dream. It is another thing to land where God intends. 
Did you know that in Canada today, 90, 90% of churches that launch fail in three years? 90%. It's one thing to launch. It's another thing to land. Today's going to be sobering, I promise, because what I'm going to say out loud is what many of us have been thinking inside, quiet, for a little while. The commission into this accident, this tragic accident, surfaced the root causes of it, and it revealed three very serious but tragically sad solvable flaws in the decision-making process leading up to the launch of the Space Shuttle Challenger. Concerns regarding the O-rings didn't reach the right people. This is number one. If exposed to freezing temperatures, the O-ring, listen, was one of the most was one of the least expensive parts of the shuttle would lose its elasticity it would crack rather than expand it would only work properly in temperatures above 11 degrees celsius and on the morning of the launch it was 2 degrees celsius Sometimes the thing that we just kind of ignore that the Holy Spirit is bringing that may seem insignificant is actually critical for your design of where God is taking you. You know, when you go to gossip and you feel the Holy Spirit say, enough, maybe you are going to be entrusted with the story of somebody else and what they need to be recovered in Christ is for you to hold that in confidence and maybe God is growing you in your character for a pivotal moment in the life of someone else. You never know. On Tuesday, school teacher Krista McAuliffe was to teach a lesson from space. On that identical Tuesday, at that time, President Ronald Reagan wished to deliver the State of the Union address, and he wanted to have a live link with the teacher in space, and so a Saturday launch was essential. And lastly, the commission report revealed that there had never been really any thought of delaying the launch at all. Because NASA had leaned on its past successes as evidence that it was actually a master over its technology, but what challenge showed is that technology can easily turn on its creator. Why do I share and why do we share this specific lesson from history today? Because you would have to have your ears shut and your eyes closed to not look around anywhere and everywhere and continually see launch but not land stories. I don't know if I can stomach one more church blowing apart because a leader didn't say, Lord, you can move here. Business, government, social sectors, healthcare, everywhere you look, Things that can shake, they're shaken. And some of us just desire to get back to the way things were. And some of us are like, no, we want to build back better. And here's all I know. In this season, church, we got to hear what the Spirit is saying. We may not like it. We may not like what He's revealing. 
But remember, 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 every time the enemy brings up your past, it's to wound you, it's to harm you, it's to keep you from stepping into your purpose. And every single time that the Holy Spirit in loving conviction or guilt brings something up, it is only to heal you. It is only to move you further into the purposes that God has for you. Both will reveal things in our lives, whether it's the Holy Spirit or the enemy, but their intent cannot be more different. We as the church of Jesus Christ in this season need voice recognition. Lord, let us hear your voice. And in hearing his voice is something that is an us thing that we want to do because our heart is not merely to launch this ministry year. It's to go full throttle into the vision that God has for us. Yet if Life Center launches without first listening, loving, and then leading... In that order, like the challenger, we believe that we could encounter critical errors which can even impact future generations. Many of us, many of our families, many of our workplaces, many of our churches and our small groups, they are one social, political, pandemic, or generational conversation away from seeing a deep fracture. We're just one away. Someone says that Someone admits they voted for who. Someone brings up this issue. And what was present before we gathered has the potential to pull us apart. And if it pulls apart the church, it's not just the church that is damaged. It's those who look at it and say it's no different than anything else in my life. It's just as corrupt. It's just as this. And then all the adjectives come. Holy Spirit, move in your church. Regarding the church in Canada, there is a pattern that by the power of the Spirit and our collective efforts must be broken. It must become center on the bullseye in the lives of Christ, by Christ's followers. It must be broken because, again, sometimes our failure to listen, to love, and then to lead, sometimes our failure to do this in this sequence, if we don't listen well and we don't love well, what we want to do is listen, love, and lead into the preferred future that God has for us. But generationally, do you know what the church is seeing in Canada? It's seeing a different equation, which is listen, love, leave. Leave. We are losing a generation in the church in Canada. Throw a rock at a church in Canada, and I guarantee you, you'll hit one that is dying. Dying that was birthed in spirit-ordained, God-dripped vision. And somewhere along the way, the color of the pew became more important than the life and heart of a soul. Somewhere, worship styles became more important than worshiping. Somewhere along the way, my perspective trumped prayer. I shouldn't even use the word trumped in there. That was a trigger for some of you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Deal with it. Get over it. As a result, we are facing an epidemic of people leaving the faith, churches, and relationships. And here's what's critical. And I pray it's not you. And I pray I'm just talking about another church today, okay? But I'm not, and I know it. Some people leave, and they leave. 
And some people stay, but they leave. And their heart isn't present, and their heart isn't moved. And you can hear that we live in a world that is lost and broken. And at one time in your following Jesus, at one time, the thought of someone spending an eternity outside of following him and with him, it broke your heart, and now it is indifferent to this And I'm not talking at you, I am just saying, and I think it's appropriate to say, using this metaphor, Houston, we've got a problem. And sometimes what we need to do is talk about the problem in prayerful consideration, saying, God, you got to heal us. God, you got to do what only you can do. Lord, you got to light a fire again. God, I'm lazy. I am, I, I am wrapped up with entertainment. I am wrapped up in things that ultimately don't satisfy. God, you got to do what only you can do. Speak to my heart, Lord. Create in me a clean heart. Why do I keep going back to the things that you've set me free from? Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit in me. In 2022, data is revealing that only one-third of Christ's followers, one-third, who start following, finish well. Now listen, Jesus doesn't even have 100%. He had 11 out of 12. But here's what I know. Like Jesus, who did it perfectly, you can never control anybody else's decision. When we enter into that space, that's God's space. So he didn't do it perfectly. He didn't have perfect 11 out of 12. But I tell you what, if we're at 3.3 out of 10, I tell you what, I want to get to 11 out of 10. It's got to be not okay for 10 people to walk into Life Center and in 10 years, only three remain and seven have left. Now, if they're in another church, to God be the glory. We're one, we're one church, we're one body, we're not in competition with one another. If they're in another church serving Jesus, to God be the glory. But if somewhere along the way they grab the hands of a guide, then we should be prayerful as followers of Christ because they are not being led to a destination. They may be being led to a false dream of a destination that they ultimately desire, but truthfully, where they're actually being led to is a first and earthly pit followed by an eternal one. This is what Jesus was saying, and I know it's sobering, and I know it's weighty. And so together, if we do not wish to reproduce critical errors, but instead listen well, listen well before we can lead... We need a designated time to do that, to listen to our different, and everyone say different. Oh, our different responses. We're different, man. Women, humans, cyborgs, whatever you are, I don't know. We're different. We're different. We've got to ask questions like, where does Life Center have faulty O-ring problems? Where are the problems we can solve not yet reaching those God has entrusted to solve them? Or are we so blinded by our past fruitfulness? Are we trying to grow what God is working to prune? Are we at cross purposes? Where is there pressure to keep something going that is cutting off life or maybe resources from something new that God might be trying to birth in our midst? I'm going to say something a hundred million times. You say, that's a lot. I know that's a lot. I'm going to use a quote from Dallas Willard this entire ministry year. And I am not saying the problems facing our world today are simple. I think they are comprehensive, and I do think they have complexity. Absolutely. I'm going to acknowledge that. But here's what I want you to know. There is not a problem facing the church of Jesus Christ that discipleship will not fix. I'm going to say it again. 
There is not a problem facing the church of Jesus Christ that discipleship will not fix. What do I mean by discipleship? You and I becoming more like Jesus. That's what I mean. Do you know what Jesus left his church? He gave us one thing to do. Make disciples who can then make disciples of others. Make disciples who make disciples. He gave us one thing to do. So here's all I'm saying. We may have to look at A, B, C, and D, but if A, B, C, and D lead up and take up all of our time and in doing all these things don't make us more like Jesus, then we are going to have a lot of activity but not necessarily accomplishment. The future of the church hangs on your discipleship. Now, I'm not saying you're the hero of it. Jesus is, not us. But you following Jesus impacts how I follow Jesus. Impacts what God does in our midst. Impacts what this generation, future generations do. None of us are divorced from purpose. Every one of us have purpose. And if each and every one of us is going to make disciples who can then make other disciples of Jesus, if we're going to do this well, it's going to take all of our spiritual gifts. Everybody say all of them. It's going to take all the spiritual gifts. It's going to take all of our stewardship. And again, anything taking all of us means that we're going to have to navigate different, different thoughts, different feelings, different perspectives, different wounding, different dreams, all of it indifference. But here's what I want you to see, that first, you see the world. If you're a follower of Christ, you see it primarily through the lens of your spiritual gift. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on the parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, I say it again, but God, everyone say, but God. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. And is there division in the body? The answer is yes. So God is not the only one at work. But God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it so there would be no division, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. And it ends in verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12 saying, Now you, everyone say me. It's the only time I'm going to let you say that. It's all about me. No, it's not. Don't say that. I just said say me. Now you are the body of Christ individually. Watch individually, but then members of the collective. Following Jesus. Well, to be a follower of Jesus, I don't have to go to church. That's not in the Bible. That's social nonsense. Blind guides got your hand. Because you're a member of the body. Individually, yeah, but also of it. We need what you got, the gift that you got, the experience that you got, the wisdom you got, even if it's not a lot, we need it. Turn to the person beside you and say, I don't got a lot, but I'll give it. <laughs> I don't got a lot. 
So first, we need to understand spiritual gifts. Second, we need to also understand that God has given the church leadership gifts to help the body minister together. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. So there's some leadership gifts. Here's what I want you to know about the leadership gifts. You need to discover your spiritual gifts. And then secondly, when you begin to understand the leadership gift, it's also going to give you a perspective on how you view we should fix what's broken. Let me give you an example. If you are apostolic in nature, I'm not saying you're a capital A apostle. I'm just saying if you have, like, if you have apostolic, if that's how you see it, then you're looking forward all the time. You're looking 10,000 feet all the time. You're looking to build, to expand, to grow, and what could be, and this and that. You're looking this way. You're looking big. You're looking forward. But if you're prophetic, it's not that you're not looking forward. You're looking up. Lord, I got to hear you in this season. We got to hear you in this season. We got to hear you in this season. We got to hear you right, hear you right, hear you right. And then all I'm concerned about is saying what it is that you're saying in this season. I don't care if you like it or not. I got to say what it is that it's happening in this season. And if you're an evangelist, if you're evangelistic in nature, you're not wanting to build 10,000. You're maybe not just in the hearing space. You're like, what are you guys doing over there? There's a world that's lost and broken. Let's go. Come on, what's the problem? What are you doing? Let's go. If you're evangelistic, that's what you're going to hear. If you're a shepherd, you're just going to be looking back going, apostle, prophet, evangelist, could you all just be quiet? <laughs> just in, you would never, a pastor would never say these two words, shut up. But they would say, do you, you're talking about building? Do you, do you see this person over here that's wounded? Because you know what? If you have a pastoral heart, all you want is belonging, man. You just want to get your arms and your hands around everybody. And if you're a teacher, you're going to come along and you're going to say, now let me explain to you why you're all wrong. <laughs> you actually didn't interpret that correctly. <laughs> in the Greek and in the Hebrew, it actually means... So the question is, the question isn't, which one of these do we need? According to God, all of them, all the time. You notice how different they all are, though? They're all going to see the same problem and have different solutions for it. Which brings us to, what's the difference between different and division? I'll use athletics as an example. 82 games a year, I root for the Ottawa Senators to win 82 games. Don't shout out your favorite team. I'm not interested in hearing it. <laughs> 82 times a year, I want the Ottawa Senators to win a hockey game. At the end of every single hockey game, here's what happens. There's a winner and there's a loser. There has to be. There has to be. No ties. <clears throat> no ties. Someone wins, someone loses. Never in the team do these players go over and start playing for this team. Never. Why? In athletics, you need healthy division or else you have no competition. But with on the team, the goalie's got to stop the puck. The defense's got to do what they're called to do. The forward's got to do what they're called to do. The coach has got to, the head coach has got to do what he's called to do. The assistant coach has got to do what they're called to do. The general manager's got to call what they're to do. And all of us got to pay them all so we can watch them do what they do. So what am I highlighting? On one team, there's difference. 
Well, when it functions together, their chances of winning are high. When it's dysfunctional, their chances of winning are low. If there is division on this team, this team don't matter. It's over before the puck drops. Loved ones, in the church, there needs to be difference. But if there's division, if the enemy can get us on opposing sides, where the only path forward is I win means you lose. And this is the defining difference between division and difference. I know today is a little heavy, but Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. <laughs> and profuse, sorry, I can't even say the word, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Not everybody who affirms you is your friend. Not everybody who tells you what you want to hear is being loving towards you. Blind guides know how to speak your language and mine. Defining reality can hurt, but if it's truly done in love, if it's truly done in love, it can help us to land and not blow apart mid-flight. Do you think in 1986, if everybody at NASA knew now, what they wish they would have known then. Somebody would have said a state of the union is not more valuable than seven lives. To solve the challenges of this season, it's going to take each of us growing up as followers of Jesus and as ministers of the gospel in our own lives, families, neighborhoods, and relationships, I promise you we're not going to ask you to shoulder what is ours to own, but I equally promise you that we won't shoulder what is yours to carry. And this tension is healthy for a church because it takes the whole church to be the church. And so our heart is not this year merely to launch. It's to go full throttle into the vision that God has for us because I'm telling you, the opportunity for God to move has never been greater, and the equal opportunity for the church to blow apart has never been more present, at least in my lifetime. And so if we launch without first listening, loving, and then earning the right to lead, we believe as a team that we could encounter critical yet preventable errors, or as Jesus would say, can a blind man lead a blind man? Or will they both not fall into a pit, into a destination that was not their ultimate dream? So, how do we begin to hear one another? Well, we've built a page on our website, so it's lifecenter.org slash vision. And if you're 19, I need to know where you think God is working. What if I'm 15? It, yeah, put yourself in the generations that I'm going to work through here because I'm talking to all of us. But if you're in your teens, I need to know where you think God's working and where you think the enemy's active. If you're in your 20s, I need to know what do you see? We need to know as a church what you see. Your voice matters. It's critical. 
If you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, your 90s, in your hundreds, we need to hear it. If you're a man, don't delegate this to your spouse if they're a wife. Well, you can fill that out. Man, I need your voice too. Need you engaged in this. Amen. Women, we need your voice as well. Singles, we need your voice. Married couples, we need your voice. Grandparents, we need your voice. Whatever ethnicity we are, we need your voice. We need to hear, God, what are you saying to the church? God, where are you active? And yeah, you're going to hear it through your spiritual gift and you're going to bend it towards maybe your leadership gifting, but we got to hear. First, we got to listen. And here's what we promise. For the month of September, we're not going to listen by waiting to talk. We're going to listen. So we'd love for you to go online and share with us where you see God at work and where's the enemy at work. And if you don't know your spiritual gifts, ah, We've provided a little link on there. We've paid for it for the whole year that you can go on and take a spiritual gift assessment and you can go, oh, oh, this is where I'm special. This is where I make a a creative difference. But it may begin to give you insight like, oh, this is why I see this problem so differently from you. Help me understand how you see it because I need you as much as you need me. And then we have a recap of the leadership gifts that you can just read through. So lifesin.org slash vision. Share with us where you see God is at work in the season, but also where do you see the enemy at work? Okay, by a show of hands, let's take an honest moment. Whether you're in Cornwall, Canada here or online, show of hands, who here when you look at the church can see at least one problem? Can I see your hands, please? Okay, some of you can't see any problems. Praise God. You have the spiritual gift of faith. That's exactly what you have. And it is so vital and it's so necessary, especially for the Eeyores of the church like me. <laughs> you know Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh? Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Eeyore, spirit of Eeyore needs to be cast out of me in Jesus' name. This is not about me though, let's together stand. For the month of September, yeah, together, let's stand. For the month of September, lifecenter.org slash vision, we want to hear your voice. Teenagers, 20-somethings, 30, and all the way up, we need to hear your voice. Where is God at work? Where is the enemy at work? We got to hear together. We got to listen all to the diversity of opinions before it is that we can lead together forward. We have a crafted prayer that we can give to each and every one of you on your way out, but I would love to be the honor just to take a moment to first pray it. I invite you just to put your hands like this in in a posture of surrender. Lord, take us deeper. Teach us to hear your voice. Form us in your unfailing love. Anchor us to your narrow way. Holy Spirit, open our ears and help us discern wisdom in the noisy streets. As you speak, give us ears to hear. Oh God, would you touch our hearts again? Show us your heart in our conflicts today. Show us your way and give us hearts to follow. And Jesus, form in us your character. Increase our hunger to be led by you. And would you once again, as you stirred the waters, would you stir our passion to live more like you? And would you adjust our posture so that we could lead more to you? Without you, God, nothing will ever change. But with you, in faith, we believe that all things for the nation of Canada remain possible. And so, Lord, would you take us by the hand as we break up today with blind guides. May we grab hold of your hand and lead us to meet not only you, but one another. 
God, grant us a heart to weep with those who cry and give us empathy and understanding and create trust where there is wounding. And Father, we are asking for nothing less than a miracle in our nation. Make us one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.